All right. Well, if she didn't say it, let me say it too. We're so glad you're here. <laughs> we are. We're so glad you're here. Bless you for being here. I'm glad you're here. Sorry to maybe make you feel uncomfortable and get invited to life group, but you need to be at life group. Amen? Amen. Come on. All right. We've been talking about change. This is my fourth week in this. I'll have one more week after this week about change. Has God been changing you this week? He's been changing me. He desires to change us. He desires to change us. I hope this has been sinking in. And if you realize, I've been going through some of the names of the Bible, and we've been looking at this one for, this is our fourth week, and I would hope that this is starting to sink in. I don't go over it and over it and over it because I'm trying to fill time. I can stay up here all day long. I have been having to work on cutting myself back. I don't consider myself a long-winded person until I start preaching. And I don't know if that's the glory of God, if it's the presence of God, or if it's just, I, it just works. But I, I'm not trying to fill. I'm trying to repeat and repeat and repeat. And if you can know, this one that we're looking at, Jehovah Mekadesh, I am the God who sanctifies you. I hope you remember, sanctification means to be set apart. God wants to set you apart. Or God wants to change you. I am the God who changes you. And let me take this one more step farther. I am the God who has the right to change you. He is our creator. You know, we, have, we sit here and we receive Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior. And we plead the blood of Jesus to be cleansed of our sin. We can't just take the parts of, of the Lord that we want and leave the rest. We have to take Jehovah Mekadesh, the God that wants to change us. We are to change. We don't just pick and choose off a buffet line what looks good to us. We don't take the blessing and ignore the obedience. It doesn't work like that. I am the God who has the right to change you. I am the one who's the best at changing you. Amen. That is so good. We've been looking at five things about how to deal with change, how to allow God to change you, how to walk this thing through. Step number one we looked at a few weeks ago was recognize that your life is a spiritual journey. Again, it's not a microwave journey. It is not a, an event. It is a process. It doesn't happen overnight. It takes time. We need to enjoy the journey. I didn't say this at first service, but we went back to Burgess Falls this week. And as we were walking, tried to notice the path down this time, not just the goal. But look around while we're going. Everybody's in such a hurry. And you know, my kids fight over who's first. And they forget where they're going, just as long as they're first. I don't know where I'm going, but I'm going to get there first. And every one of them fight over it. And all of a sudden, I just say, stop. Can't you hear that rushing wind and that rushing water? Stop and look around. And you know, kids. Yeah, okay. Who's first now? Stop. Recognize that you're on a journey. But number two, set your sights on the final destination. I think this is such a motivational factor right here that we need to know we have a place to go and that we're not there yet. Knowing that there is waterfalls at the end of the trip makes the 30, 40 minute trip that is very difficult easier to do 
because you have a goal. Now, the trip back's a whole other story. It's all uphill, and you're just going to the car. They're wanting to stay. You know, they're wanting to get in. I sat there and just started splashing Pete, and he started fussing. I said, Pete, I promise you, by the time you get to the top, you will be dry. There won't be a sign that I've done this to you. But you need to know that there is a final destination, and that final destination is to become more Christ-like. Our destination is Jesus, to reflect who he is, to become much, much more like him and his character. What does that mean? That means we have to change. Amen? All right, number three. We looked at this last week. Ask God to help with your roadblocks. And I've gotten some pretty funny comments from people this week and how this has impacted them. Roadblocks slow down your movement. And most of the time, they're hidden and you don't even know that they're there. You don't see them coming. You know, if you knew they were coming, you would avoid them. But a lot of times, God says, nope, here it is. Now, how are you going to handle this? Don't anybody raise their hand, but how many people have had a roadblock this week? I know many of you have because you talked to me about it. Just this week, since I've preached on it last week, how many roadblocks have been thrown, thrown your way? Whether it's with sin or just with life. How many know you have roadblocks just in life? Man, they come at you in every direction. But God doesn't want to help you avoid them. Sometimes he wants to help you get through them. There is a benefit to getting through your problems. You know, I don't know about you, but I've learned, I learn more from my mistakes than I do my successes. How many of you are not the same person you were 10 years ago? I hope all of us. Why? Because, the, because of the things you've had to walk through. You don't walk through them the same way. You don't think the same way. You know, I never understood my father when he said, you know, an 18-year-old doesn't see like a 25-year-old. And a 25-year-old doesn't see like a 30-year-old. And a 30-year-old doesn't see like a 40-year-old. And a 40-year-old doesn't see like a 50-year-old. Why? Because you've been through things. And you can see it from a different perspective. God sees it from a different perspective. And I'm going to show you that today. But we look out for our roadblocks. And let me just name a few that might be battling you. Pride, gluttony, lust, overspending, anger, too controlling, stealing, having an affair. And these are all sinful. Some of them are not sinful. Some things just happen. Sometimes it just happens. You get to the end of February 15th or April 15th and you owe more taxes than you thought you were going to owe with no more money coming in. That's a roadblock. And you know what? God can provide for you in that roadblock just the same as he can other areas. But it's a roadblock. Ephesians 4.22 says, Throw off your old evil nature and your former way of life, which is rotten through and through, full of lust and deception. You have to throw it off. You have to make the effort of cleaning house. You need to clean house. I was listening to a song this morning by Toby Mack. It's his newest song called uh, A City on Their Knees. And he said, the, the first part of the song says, If you've got to start somewhere, why not... Now. And then he says, if you've got to start sometime, I'm sorry, the first one, if you've got to start somewhere, why not here? If you've got if you've got to start somewhere, sometime, why not now? 
don't be content with where you are. It is time to start moving in the right direction. And you think that you can just stay still. You can't. You're either moving the wrong direction or you're moving the right direction. There is no in-between. You may think you can stand still, but you can't. And let me tell you something about standing still. The Lord hates lukewarm. Be cold or be hot. Be something. But then he goes on to say down into the song, if you want to start somewhere, if you've got to start somewhere, I say here. Then he says, if I've got to start somewhere, I say now. The significance of that is the the prodigal son knew the problem. There is a better life somewhere else. I know of it. I know it's there. It's a given. It's there. But then he says, I will get up and I will return to my father. He could have stayed in that pig pen knowing that there was a better place. You have to get up and you have to move. We're battling with these roadblocks and you have to throw these evil things out. Boy, second service is usually on fire compared to first service. I feel like I've fed you breakfast. This is the way it seems when we have a church-wide breakfast. Everybody's ready for a nap. This is bizarre. It's like the twilight zone. Which service am I in? But do you want God's mercy in an area that you can't control? Yes, humble yourself and ask him for help. Ask him for help. Okay, number four. took me that long to review. All right, number four. Learn how to refuel. Learn how to refuel. This is, a, this is good for a journey motif. We're talking about journeying. And you've got to realize in order to go on the journey, you've got to have fuel. Amen? You've got to have gas in the tank. You've been driving in your car in the middle of nowhere, and you pass the last gas station. You know, Elizabeth and I were in uh, Indiana, I don't know, probably 10 years ago or probably even more than that. Was it before we had kids? We might have had one or two. It's hard to remember pre-kids or post-kids or whatever. We had, I don't know. We were in love, I can tell you that. I can say that. She may. Anyway. Okay. But you know how when you're in your car, and you know, I, I don't know how you are, but I know how many miles my car can make it on a tank of gas. And we're in this big Chevy Suburban or Tahoe or something, and we had gone over 400 miles on this tank of gas, and I knew something's wrong. I've never ran out of gas, but I knew something's wrong. The gauge shows a quarter of a tank, and I told her. And we were in Indiana. We were at the city, but we didn't know where we were going. We were trying to find the place. Driving around, couldn't find it. And I said, honey, something's wrong. I don't know how we've made it this far on gas. And I went and tapped on the gauge, and it went boom and hit the bottom. And about that time, we ran out of gas. That's the kind of life that we're living. We think we think we can make it, but we're trying to make it on an empty tank. We can't make it on an empty tank. And I want you to learn today how to refuel spiritually. How do we refuel spiritually? Because living empty is no way of living. Because we don't take the time to be connected to God. I personally need refueled every single day. I have to be refueled every single day. You know, I have formed a habit in my study process in reading my Bible 
when I don't read in the natural, I kind of miss it because I formed a habit, but I start missing it in, in my spirit. I start noticing my, my decision patterns are messed up. My thought patterns are messed up. Many times I can go and look at this list I have. I have not read my Bible yet. It's always number one. If you ever come in my office, ask me to see my Pareto list. You've seen it. Number one, read Bible. Number two, pray every single day. And I'm telling you, if I don't write it down, I, I'll get busy. People will call me and I'll miss it. How hard is it to get sidetracked? It's very hard. How hard is it to be sidetracked? How easy is it to be sidetracked? You're sidetracking me. I have got to be topped off by the Lord. And I think David in the Psalms understood the importance of being filled up when he said here in Psalm 23.3, He renews my strength. He guides me along the right path. Renews. He didn't renewed. It's not He renewed my strength. He renews. It is a constant thing. God does not desire you to grow weary and tired. He wants to renew your strength. It's not a one-shot deal. I need to be refueled. I need to be connected. And you know what? Things work best when they're connected. I've said this maybe a few months ago. You can go out here and buy a $500 or a $100 toaster. Greatest thing ever. has all the bells and whistles. You can even set it the night before and and, uh, you know, it'll make it perfectly, not burnt, not burnt on one side or done just right. It can be done just right. Sometimes you can get some with four, with eight, whatever. Get a big commercial one that'll do 12, whatever. But you know what? If you don't plug it in, you are not getting toast. You can lay your hands on it. You can shandile all you want over it. <laughs> but you're not getting toast. You have to be plugged in. You're created by the Father. You've given your heart to Jesus. You've been filled with the Spirit. But if you don't stay connected, you're not getting toast. You've got to stay connected. It says that He is the vine. We're the branches. We've got to stay connected to be poured into from the source. We must be connected. Amen? Maybe you say, Pastor, you just don't know how busy I am. It's so busy, it's out of control. You wouldn't believe how busy I am. Yeah, I would. You think you're the only one that's busy? Everybody thinks it's all about them. Man, he doesn't have any idea how busy I am. You don't have any idea how busy I am. You know what? The only time I think my life's going to slow down is when I die. Responsibilities don't get less, they get more. I don't care how old you are. Things will slow down when I die. But I want you to look at this. I want you to see how, how a result of being refueled. In Second Peter chapter 1, this is the result of being refueled. It says, as we know Jesus better, His divine power gives us everything we need for living a godly life. He has called us to receive His own glory and goodness. Now keep with this now. So make every effort to apply who has to make the effort i have to make the effort to apply the benefits of these promises in my life we have talked so much god has done his part 
It is our job to apply what God has done in our life. God's job was perfect, is perfect. What he has done is perfect. The problem is not on that side of heaven, it's on this one. Really, this specifically. My problem in my life is not God, it's me. I must apply these benefits, these promises to my life. Then, everybody say then. Significant. You can't keep going without looking at what came before the then. This is the result of applying God's word to your life. Are you with me so far? Then your faith will produce a life of moral excellence. What in a nutshell is that? That is righteousness. Scripture says, Seek ye first the kingdom of God and His righteousness, and all these things will be added unto you. You can see that if you will start to apply God's word to your life, that you will start to find righteousness. Now watch what happens. A life of moral excellence or a life seeking righteousness leads to knowing God better. God knows just how. He has told you, focus on my benefits and start applying my benefits to your life and you will get to know me better. You'll, become, you'll start doing things right and then you'll, become to know, you'll start to know me better. But watch, we're not done yet. Knowing God leads to self-control. Don't raise your hand. Who here battles self-control? Oh, that's fun. Amen. Thanks for raising that hand. We all do. Self-control leads to patient endurance. And you know what? There's a difference between endurance and patient endurance. And patient endurance leads to godliness. Catch it. Godliness leads to love for other Christians. And finally, you'll grow to have genuine love for everyone. Who is this a picture of? This is a picture of Jesus Christ. This scripture from 2 Peter 1 is a pathway to become more Christ-like, which is our final destination. Can you see this? That God says, apply my word to your life and you will reach the destination. And in the, in the process is going to come patient endurance, is going to come self-control, is going to become a, a moral person, someone with integrity, someone that can be trusted, someone that can be promoted. Where are you today? This is a pathway into the presence of God, a lifestyle in the presence of God. But the end result is learning to love, genuinely loving the unlovable. In your mind, the unlovable. Not just a love for other Christians, which is hard enough, but genuine love for everyone. And don't get the idea that this change in your life is going to just make you all great. And you can sit there and strum your little spiritual harp and say how great, how great I am. Not how great you are, but how great I am. Y'all ever hear Jerry Lee Lewis sing that? Anyway, that's not what it's about. The Bible says this change process is always expressed in the context of community or love for others. That's the end result. Genuine love for others. 
That's why God is changing us so that we might love others. And you are never more like Jesus Christ until you start expressing love. Until you start expressing love. Now, just as a little bit of a a change, right here we're talking about applying God's word. Let's take it one more step further about being refueled. We are a spirit-filled church. I believe, and I believe this church believes in the baptism in the Holy Spirit, that it is a second occurrence. It's not just a a one-shot deal at salvation, but it's a second occurrence. And I'd be glad to talk with you at any time about it, show you the scriptures that back it up. But I want to read you a scripture right here about being refueled. Ephesians 5.18. Don't be drunk with wine because that will ruin your life. Instead, be filled with the Holy Spirit. Be filled. This word, be filled, in the Greek, and I'm going to show you in just a minute a little bit, uh, just a little bit more, is it, its tense is, means continuous. Kind of like that word we just saw, renews. Renews is continuous. But this be filled, instead saying, instead, be continually filled with the Holy Spirit. In the Greek, this be filled Uh, The tense of this in the Greek for be filled makes it clear that such a spirit-filled condition does not stop with a single experience, but is maintained by continually being filled. Which means we can ask regularly to be filled with the Spirit. I pray this over you almost every Monday morning during staff prayer that we be filled with the Spirit. Every time we're in the prayer room getting ready to come out here, I pray that the Holy Spirit would fill us again. I run empty. I start to allow things to fill up in my life other than the Holy Spirit. And I have to clear those things out and ask to be filled with the Holy Spirit. Amen? But let's keep looking at this. I want to I I give you a little, a little different way of looking at this. Stay in context. This is the next verse. Instead, be filled with the Holy Spirit... Singing, now let's go back. I do this. I did not have these scriptures applied at first, and I put a period at the end of this, but I don't believe a period is supposed to be there. Forgive me. Ephesians 5, verse 17, 18. It's a comma. But be filled with the Spirit. That may not be significant to you. But I want you to know this is one continual thought. Okay? Don't be drunk with wine because that will ruin your life. Instead, be filled with the Holy Spirit, comma, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs among yourselves and making music to the Lord in your hearts. And give thanks for everything to God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Now, I believe that we can regularly ask to be filled with the Holy Spirit. I believe that's what that scripture means, is to continually ask to be filled. It says in Luke, ask for the Holy Spirit, that he gives those that ask for the Holy Spirit. I hope you all know that scripture. I think it's Luke 11. Um, But I want you to catch this. Be filled with the Holy Spirit, singing psalms, hymns, spiritual songs among yourselves, and making music to the Lord in your hearts. I believe there is a connection between worship, and I wouldn't even take it to music. Singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. What are those? Songs, uh, let's say psalms are spiritual 
scriptural lyrics in song. Hymns are humanly inspired lyrics in song, and spiritual songs are impromptu rhythmic lyrics given by the Holy Spirit in your own language or in your prayer language. It's praying in tongues. I believe there is a connection when we come together. And, and don't just sing a four-song, but, but genuinely sing Scripture. What you don't realize is He has made me glad is all Scripture. You are singing Scripture. In fact, you're singing a psalm. I believe that when we come together, like this is saying, singing spiritual songs, hymns, and spiritual songs among yourselves, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs among yourself and making music to the Lord in your hearts, in your heart, that we get filled with the Spirit. And I believe that thankfulness, giving thanks to everything to God and the Father in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, I believe is another method of being filled with the Spirit. How can you say that, Pastor? Because it says, I will enter His gates with thanksgiving in my heart. I will enter His courts with praise. What is this doing? This is leading us into the presence of the Lord. But I want you to catch this. This scripture says that we are to encourage one another in praise. This text instructs interaction in our praise. Paul says in Ephesians to speak to one another using psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs. So if we can enter a gathering of believers, even with a small offering of praise, even with just a couple songs, our worship begins to be magnified as we join with others. Their voices encourage us, and we inspire them, and we are inspired. Tonight, in life groups, I believe that this scripture right here will be fulfilled. We are coming together. We are a gathering of believers. Some may come in here not as unbelievers. Praise God, that would be wonderful. But as we start to give thanks as we start to sing spiritual songs, as we start to sing scriptural hymns and uh, scriptural psalms and hymns, I believe the Holy Spirit is welcome to come and fill us. How important it is that life group, that you connect to life group. I see that as one of the most important things that we as a church provide is the ability or the, the opportunity for you to connect outside of here. And to connect one-on-one and to be a part of a family that you can trust and they can trust you. Because you're not only going to be encouraged and inspired, but you are going to be doing the encouraging and the inspiring. I would encourage you. Participate. God desires participation. If anything this has showed you today, God desires effort given on your part. And you are the beneficiary of it. And your family and your children and your children's children. And it's the type of benefit that can't compare to what man can offer. I would encourage you, find, it, find one, go try one. I don't know hardly, I don't, I don't think I know anyone. Now, it doesn't work for everybody, but everyone that has ever stuck with Life Group has loved it. Why? Because it lines up with Scripture. And God's Word is faithful. 
And I would encourage you. You may say, Pastor, I just don't, I just don't jive well in those kind of things. Try. Try to jive well. You know, years ago, Elizabeth says, now you're going to have to try to get along when, my in- when the in-laws come in. She was right. I had to try. How many knows when you get married, you've got to try to get along with people, including your wife? You'd better make an effort because it's not just going to happen. You'd better make an effort in your marriage or it's going to dry up and die. You better make an effort with your in-laws because if you're not getting along with your in-laws, your wife's not very happy with you. What's happened is I've developed a relationship on my own outside of her even though she's connected to it, but I needed a relationship with them. It's different. It's not the same. I don't dread it. In fact, I look forward to it. How many here used to, Well, I'm afraid to ask this question. How many here used to dread life group, but now you look forward to it? Well, that's terrible. I got one. How many just look forward to it? Well, amen. I don't believe half of you. I think some of you probably did used to dread it, but I'm not going to say which half I don't believe. I have not been to one that I didn't receive from. No matter how basic or how deep the teaching, it's always met me where I was. It doesn't matter whether it's a brand new Christian or a Christian for 50 years. God has a way of hitting you right where you need it. In some of the most basic places of your life. I would encourage you. Step out. Be a part. Invite people that normally would not go to church but might would go to your life group. I would encourage you. Step out. Step out. And allow the Lord to change you. Start applying God's word to your life. Start simple. Start simple. Don't start complex. Start simple. And start applying some of the roadblocks, the things that you have going on. Give it to the Lord. The Lord is going to rescue you. Father, I thank you for this morning. And Lord, I just ask you to help us to allow you to change us. God, you have the right to change us. You should be the person to change us. But Lord, even I fight it. And Lord, I ask you to help us to let our guard down. Let our guard down. 